Hey listener, thank you so much for joining us today. Today's guest is Monkey, the creator of the Eisner Award-nominated romantic comedy webcomic Let's Play, a story that follows Sam's life as her video game development career collides with unexpectedly budding romance. In today's episode, we talk about how Mongi pivoted from playing the tuba to developing software as a programmer to finally taking the leap and starting Let's Play. We also discuss Let's Play's meteoric rise to webcomic fame and what that meant as a digital creator, and learn about how Let's Play is crossing over into print and into television. She even shares some practical tips for creators looking to add more heft to each episode, so don't go anywhere. We loved unpacking Mongi's story and hope you enjoy it too. Leanne, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Well, thanks so much for taking some time to join us. Let's Play does not need any introduction, really. So I'd love to have you uh, tell a little bit more about yourself to our uh, readers, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, my name is Leanne Krasik. I go by Mongi Online. Um, I've been a comic creator for, I suppose, about six years now. It doesn't seem like it. Time has flown by. Um, and... I create a webtoon called Let's Play, which is a, a rom-com with a lot of gaming references and just geek culture in general. And how did you come up with your name, Mongi? Um, it's actually a really kind of a convoluted story in that growing up, we always joking, my sisters and I, I have two older sisters, we jokingly refer to ourselves as Heinz 57 or Mutt Dogs because we just like, you know, we didn't have like that uh, cult, your like culture growing up. So we were just like, we're just kind of a, all of Europe in one person. So, uh, that went from mongrel to some people started calling me mongi. And so it just kind of carried over to that way. And you said you've been, uh, making comics for six years. So growing up, were you a fan of just drawing or art in general? Or is that something that you started a little bit more recently? Well, I, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a household that was full of art and creativity. My mother's done everything from wicker baskets to stained glass. And so she's she's always very passionate about art. And I loved drawing, loved all forms of art, and then um, easily got into comics when I was younger um, and mostly Marvel comics. And then once I got access to things like Sailor Moon, it was all manga after that. So what were some of the early Marvel comics that uh, inspired you? And then when you switched to manga there, what were the uh, like the manga that inspired you to come up with your own style? So I was a huge fan of X-Men, like huge fan of X-Men and um, specifically Rogue, uh, because I remember it was my cousin who got it into got me into it because he's the <laughs> we're all girls except for my one male cousin and my cousin we were around the same uh age and so he introduced me to x-men and batman and i thought x-men was the coolest and he said which character is your favorite in x-men i said which one's the strongest and he said probably rogue and i said she's my favorite so that and i was like 10 maybe at that age nine or so and so got really into that and then there was the 90s push and comics of like pit punisher all that kind of stuff and i kind of got into that and i got i watched aeon flux which i shouldn't have at that age but the just that anime style was amazing that we see and then also akira came to the u.s around that time for the first time and it was dubbed so it was that was pretty much the gateway you were a computer programmer before. That's correct. So that's quite a switch to go from programming to uh, 
to comic creation how did you uh, like what prompted you to be like you know what i want to make a comic well it's funny because before i was a programmer i was a professional tuba player so i'm used to completely <laughs> uprooting my career and starting over again when i was working as a programmer one of the things was is i got into programming because i realized as a musician it's very difficult to make an income, at least one that's sustainable. And so I felt that maybe music should be a passion and not my career. And so I switched into something more financially reasonable, which is programming. And I always loved computers growing up. And I always, you know, to me, composing music was very similar to programming and vice versa. So it felt like it was a very easy transition to get into programming. And so I went into programming and, and made a career out of that. And then at one point I just decided, well, my student loans are paid off. I now have, I'm financially stable. I, I think it's time that I try to pursue passion projects. Um, you know, this is one of those, what do I want to do when I grow up sort of things. And so I decided I would try to make comics and, uh, give it a shot. I didn't think I'd ever forgive myself if I never tried. So how did you come up with the story of Let's Play? I originally, when I, my breakthrough comic, I wanted to be a fantasy comic, but I was reading a lot of people telling you don't do fantasy as your first comic because it's very difficult to get it mm. started. And so I kind of had to reinvent what I wanted my break comic breakthrough comic to be and I decided well romance always does very well and I enjoy reading romance and I enjoy writing romance and so um, while brainstorming and drawing character concepts for other projects I was watching a, um, a YouTuber who was playing a game um, that was a fan-made game and the game wasn't I mean it was the person's first game and it wasn't really made very well I mean it sounds it, a little familiar Yes. I mean, it was, there was a lot of passion, a lot of love put in that game, but I mean, there was definitely like a lot of fundamentals that were missing. And so that YouTuber basically rage quit the game. And I remember watching that and going, what would happen if that YouTuber met the, the developer? And then like, how would that interaction go like what would I do if I was one of those people and and then I was like well let's take it a step further what if it was a romance and then and a comedy and so that's kind of how Let's Play was born. And so from that point do you kind of start with the characters the world it seems like you do a little bit of both what's your process for getting something going off the ground? I always come up with a general concept first and then I start to go which to me the general concept is like that's the outline of the puzzles. That's all the end pieces. And so you build that. And then when you start thinking, and you could just have no picture on that puzzle. It's just all the end pieces. So you put that together. And then when you start looking at the picture or the individual pieces, that's the character development. That's the, you know, the fluff, the all the embellishment and everything like that. And then when you're done, you have a full puzzle that's put together. So for me, I always start with the general concept first and then take great delight in the character development after that. So for character development, what sources of inspiration do you like to pull from to, to create your characters? Um, I mean, from a lot of different sources. Um, some, some is from generally characters that are in existing manga and anime, like Sam's dad's obsession with his wife, like pretending that she's dead, kind of mourning, almost mourning her, even though she's still alive. It's heavily influenced from Ichigo's father and Bleach. You know, that's me just making fun of that trope. 
um but a lot of actual like character uh reference is <laughs> very similar to um i take a lot of inspiration from characters that are created in dungeons and dragons that i play mm. um that i play or my friends play and some other characters like umed from let's play is very similar to friends that i have in real life and and people i've known and and it's just like i just take a little bit from everywhere and when you created this did you have a particular audience in mind uh, or was it something that you were like well i know that i would really like the story because there's nothing like this out there let's play is the story is a rom-com i wanted to read but it's not there and so that's i was like well if you're if it's not there i might as well just make it myself i mean there are times where i'm like if i found a genie in a bottle what would be one of my wishes and it would be that let's play writes itself and i actually get to read it like i wake up every morning or wake up you know on a friday and it's all done and just magically and i get to read it and enjoy it so uh, and how much of it is sort of figured out from the, when you were first starting, how much did you have mapped out? Well, when I first started, I had the start and the end completely figured out. I knew how I wanted to start it. I knew how I wanted to end it. And then um, along the way, I had a lot of key points and events that I wanted to have happen in the comic. Now, some of that has changed in the timeline from what I originally decided. And also I have added more development and like fleshed out more areas of the story than what I originally planned. And that some of that is week by week because it's kind of dependent on uh, reader feedback. Cause maybe the way I drew it or explained it wasn't very clear. And maybe I need to specify that in a later episode and clarify those things. So that I don't originally plan when I started. So when you uploaded your first episode, what was your expectation or goal when you put that out there? My goal was to become a featured creator on, on Webtoon because that at the time was the only real way to make money as a web creator, a digital web creator online. Now there was other ways to do like your own personal publishing and ad revenue and whatever, like Patreon was still barely a thing at the time. Um, and so my hope was to become a feature creator so I could make an income reliably. The other thing was, is that I was just hoping people would come across my comic and enjoy it. Like really ultimately all I wanted was to make a comic that people could just enjoy for 10, 15 minutes a week and just forget about all the crap that's going on in their life. Cause that's what comics were to me. You know, it doesn't matter how bad of a day I'm having. If I pick up a comic or a good book or whatever, that's my world for that time on your six-year journey you have over five million subscribers to let mm -hmm. uh, let's play i mean how do you feel now that you're here i mean you started with something that was like hey i hope i become featured i mm -hmm. hope it's something that can just you know provide a 15-minute relief to people's day a little bit of an escape and now you have one of the largest most successful web comics i mean what does it feel like it's i still don't i guess okay <laughs> imposter syndrome is a thing, right? Mm. Like, I don't feel like I'm that successful. And that's not because anybody's doing anything wrong. It's just that to me, it doesn't feel that way. And maybe that's just life online now. Mm. Because if I walked into a factory, and I saw 5 million books, and each book represented a reader, then it would probably have a larger impact. But right now, it's a, it's a number that's on a website that takes up you know, two characters or whatever, <laughs> you know, two point, like, it's like four point whatever million. So it's, it, it, it's, 
not really sunk in, I guess. And I don't know if I ever really will, but um, I think it's, if anything, it just, I'm happy that there's, that I made a story that people enjoy. I mean, that sounds cheesy as hell, but it, it's the truth. You know, I'm not and a complex person. <laughs> <laughs> Were you surprised by how much it's grown? Um, given that you started in 2016, where Webtoon in the in North America was mm-hmm. was a newer thing relative to what it is now. I mean, were you were you surprised by the reception? Yeah, I, I never expected it to be as successful as it is. Um, you know, I I am very much the type of personality that I prepare for the worst, but I hope for the best. And I was not prepared <laughs> prepared <laughs> for this result. So, um, I think I've been very fortunate that it has been as popular as it has. And you were nominated for an Eisner Award in 2019, I believe. I mean, mm-hmm. just just piling the the kind of wins on for you. I mean, what was that like for you to get nominated for a prestigious award like that? Um, I I again imposter syndrome. I <laughs> did not feel like I deserved it at all. I think that it's funny in that when I went to the Eisner Awards and was present there, I was like a golden retriever. Like I was happy to just be there. You know, I was not expecting to win at all, and. Um, I, I was honored and, and grateful and I've actually met the person who nominated me and was like mm. really pushing for me to um, to be to win the Eisner and I met her at a con and I was really surprised and and I thanked her and so it's um, honestly I don't know if when it comes to things like the Eisners I don't know if I ever feel like I will deserve to win that because I just don't think I would appreciate it as much as, as a lot of creators would. And I'm not trying to take anything for granted. It's just that I just don't feel like I deserve it, I guess. And so, um, but I was grateful that I was nominated. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, your fans around the world, um, you know, really appreciate what you do and think you deserve it. So I will pass the love uh, along in their stead (laughs) in terms of, you know, you starting this out, you know, kind of transitioning from being a computer programmer and then doing this for six years, uh, a lot of folks have to try a few different webtoons before they find something that hits. Mm -hmm. You were able to find something that hit right away, but you must have learned a ton along the way. So if you were to reflect, you know, what you were doing when you first started versus what you do now, what, what were some of the biggest things that you've learned? One of the things I learned was, um, it's funny, a lot of creators talk about it. So basically like, what what are some tidbits that advice that mm. I could give to creators? Mm-hmm. Um, one would be, uh, it doesn't matter how much time you spend on a comic. Readers don't care. They don't care how, how long it takes you to make one episode because you could spend 16 hours drawing a panel. It'll take them 10 seconds to get through it. So ultimately, don't kill yourself trying to make an episode. Um, your health is more important <laughs> than mm-hmm. that. Um, the ep- working will get faster. You know, like it used to take me two, when I ver- very first started Let's Play, it used to take me two weeks to do one episode. Now I do one in a week. So it's, I try to get in under five days. So um, you get more care- comfortable with the characters and all that kind of stuff and it just becomes easier to draw them. Uh, readers will eventually, there is a chance that a number of readers will see you as a vending machine and not as a person. (laughs) And that's common. (laughs) So don't take that personally. And another bit of advice, which is a lot of us creators actually talked about was um, 
if people say the episode is too short, it's usually because you're not moving the scene around. Hmm. And if you have like one, it doesn't matter how impactful that scene is. If it's in one spot for 50, 80 panels, whatever, people are like, man, that went too short. So it's you, if, but if you move the scene around, it seems to last a lot longer. And the last tidbit is based off of that information is uh, a good book always ends too soon. So mm. don't take it too personally if somebody says wow that was short it just means they wanted more so it's a bit of a backhanded compliment <laughs> if anything. uh even with you know over uh you know four and a half million fans you spend a lot of time engaging with them and, and providing them different things in different ways so how have you thought about engaging with your fans uh online it's actually changed a lot over time um i used to be a lot more active a lot more open but i've learned that the more readers you have the higher percentage of a chance that you're going to get the scary ones mm. and so i've actually had to bring it back just in order to protect myself and just in general so i think that i went from sharing more personal information to be to actually switching to being completely professional like i don't like I might share a photo of my dog who was sick just so people know that they're better now, but I'm not gonna show fo photos of my garden. I'm not gonna show photos of my other pets just because I need to protect myself. So it's it's important to be active so it, you're in the forefront of people's mind. But I think if I have advice for creators, it's try to keep your private life private. I mean, it's just as your own, for your own safety and, and just, mental wellness yeah, after going through that journey do you feel really good about where you are now in terms of your relationship with your fans given all the different things that you've been able to try and do um i would say i think i feel better i'm more comfortable um it was it's been tumultuous over those years um but i think that as long as i handle things professionally i mean i if I had, as long as I handle things professionally, I think I'll be comfortable moving forward. And that's ultimately the main goal. So there are times when I've thought about handing my social media over to uh, a PR group, just because mm -hmm. it's, there's so much, there's so much, and you just like have to preserve yourself. Um, but I haven't gotten to that point yet. Yeah, I mean, you have massive followings you have over 100,000 people on Twitter, over 300,000 people on Instagram. So why have you decided to, you know, be like, I'll, I'll manage these myself for now when, you know, there are plenty of uh, people with smaller audiences that, that do kind of outsource that? I guess I, I feel like it's one more step and it's just more work to have a PR mm. because it's easy for me to just go, okay, I did this sketch or I did this art and just throw it on there or do a preview and just throw it up there and it's done. Whereas if I have to take on PR, I have to bring them on. I have to get them set up. I have to, we have to discuss about my preferences. We have to do this. We have to do that. And maybe ultimately in the long run, it's less work, but in the forefront, it's a lot of work right out of the gate. You have a Patreon as well, um, mm -hmm. which has grown significantly. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's now at 2,900. You're getting very close to 3,000 patrons, which is cool. Yep. Uh, what has been the key for uh, success to you there? Um, I, 
you know, honestly, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> uh, I, I think that, I think people just really want to support me and they want to be sure that they are supporting me as a creator. Um, like they're, it's very wishy-washy on what creators get as in terms of support from Webtoon. Um, so people want to know that they get, they're getting more bang for their buck in terms of creator support. Also, I offer discounts in my shop. So if somebody wants to save a per percentage on a purchase for products that I sell personally, they can sign up for a dollar and get 10% off. So it's um, just stuff like that, I think. And also I share sketches, I share art, I share, um, I used to, I haven't had the time to do it as much lately, but I used to, during the pandemic, I was doing trivia night where we did Let's Play Trivia. And, and I think people really enjoyed that. So I need to bring that back. So one other thing that was announced is a TV show adaptation. Yes. which is just wild. I mean, I, I, I still go back to like you being a programmer and being like, maybe I'll make a comic. And now there's a TV adaptation yeah. in the works. So what was, what was it like for you to just hear that? And what was the process like in terms of starting to hear about this and trying to see if this is something that may happen? I think when I got first got the email from the producers who were interested, I was like, this isn't real, right? Yeah. Like this is a phishing scam or something. And I sent it over to my manager and he looked into it. And he's like, no, it's legit. And I think it's, it, again, imposter syndrome. Um, I, it, it's been interesting in that there's a lot of possible great things. There's a lot of possible scary things that can mm. come out of it. You know, a lot of people are always like, oh, live action, uh, you know, and, and like, it could either be great or it could be like, not so great. And also, as the creator, there's, you know, depending on who produces it and the studio that picks it up and network and all this stuff, it could be, oh, you're the creator, we want you on set, and we want you to be an active consultant, and we want you to be, you know, there at a moment's notice to answer any questions we have. But then there's also the studio's producers who's like, we'll get your name right on the check. And that's it. And they don't want to have anything to do with you after that. So, but as the creator, you still hold the responsibility of the product. So like a lot of people didn't like the final season of uh, Game of Thrones. And so they go to Martin and they're like, what the heck? And he's like, I didn't, you know, that's not on me, but yeah. he's the creator. And they think that he has this full control, which it's not always the case, but it's exciting in that it would be awesome to see live action and, and, you know, this, we need more comedy in the world, right? We need more laughing. So it'd be great to see it as a TV show that was that just reaches more audiences and helps more people enjoy things. Yeah, and this may be something that you can't talk about because it's still in development, but in terms of your relationship, you know, from the spectrum of not being very involved with the project to something that you are a bit more involved with, like where, mm -hmm. where would your involvement be? Well, I mean, it, it's been discussed. I mean, but there's different stages of it. You know, there's there's producers, there's studios, there's network, there's all these different things. And there's even sub stages in that. So right now they basically asked me like, do you want to be on set? I'm like, yes, wait, what does that entail? Do I actually have to go to LA for six months or whatever? Cause I'm not a fan, <laughs> but um, you know, and then there's, they're also like, are you okay with not being on set or being part of the showrunner or this or whatever? 
and they're like, what's your biggest priorities? What's this and what's that? And what are you willing to um, be convinced otherwise based mm. on the story? And I've told them what my biggest, you know, what is most important to me in the story. And I think as long as I keep true to that, then I think I'll be okay with it. I mean, honestly, if I was, if they want me on set and I show up in Hollywood on set, I look so Midwestern, they will probably think I'm the girl who gets them the coffee. And knowing me, I would probably like, oh, oh yeah, I don't know, what, what would you like? <laughs> Is she cream of sugar? Like, you know, and that's me, like, you know, and so it's just, I would be so out of place. I'd just be like, <laughs> you know, I love it. You need to be there. You need to be on yeah. set. Oh, it'll just make everything so much better. In terms of supporting yourself as an artist, this is something we get a lot of questions about. Right. And you've tried a bunch of things as well. You, I mean, we talked about Patreon. Uh, you had an eye on like, okay, what do I need to do to become a originals creator? You've done Kickstarters, which I want to talk about as well. But um, what's the process been like for you to be like, okay, it's one thing to put a comic out there. It's another to um, have that support you in, in your kind of day-to-day life. So mm-hmm. uh, what were the things that you tried and what's worked best for you? Um, well, I think it's really, really exciting time right now for comic creators online because the potential to make an income is better now than it has ever been for a comic creator, in my opinion. Um, I think that uh, Kickstarter, I didn't think was going to get more than $10,000 the first time my husband was like am I gonna have to write a check for nine thousand dollars just to make sure my wife doesn't get sad that she didn't meet her ten thousand dollar goal but we met that pretty quickly and um in terms of creators now you know kickstarter is an option I've seen a lot of individual creators do kickstarters for their books and they're successful uh were you surprised by the reception on like oh god yeah absolutely (laughs) I'm like why are people paying for something they could read online for free and oh, you know but the nice thing about kickstarter is we can include products that you can add on and then you get prints and you get exclusivity and you get all this kind of stuff and i'm like okay like i have a slight addiction to get board game kickstarters you know so when you get those exclusives you're like oh yes you know but um so it that that definitely blew my mind um but with like patreon you know it's I feel like the platform needs to be updated personally since I was a programmer. I think it needs a <laughs> facelift, but um, it's nice having that option that you can provide a, a service with subscription that's reliable and honest. And there's things like, there is things like Webtoon with Canvas and Originals, there's Tapas, there's Monta, there's all these different comic outlets are coming up that you can actually set up a system in order to make an income and it's better now than it's ever been i think it's really exciting for creators was it important for you as a creator to get a physical copy of uh let's play out there no <laughs> so you're like oh out there yes yeah. out there yes i i thought you're gonna say in my hands because in my own hands no. <laughs> out there yes because i know there was a lot of you know i definitely i always felt like let's play uh, digital was um easy access right which is great um but there are still people who have for whatever reason they don't have online accessibility because maybe they don't like reading on mobile devices they don't like electronics they don't whatever and so i have a number of friends in person who are like i would love to read your comic but i cannot stand reading on 
my device mm. for whatever reason. And so when they found out I was going to do a print book, they were just like, yes! mm. you know, so uh, knowing that once I found that out, I was like, yes, absolutely. Let's get it out there. Let's get this book out there. Totally. Uh, and we had Tom on our pod uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, and he's doing some incredible work with rocket ship to help get you know physical copies of comics out there as well as just finding new ways to support uh creators so what has it been like for you to work with him and rocket ship um it's been great i've been very fortunate um if you like in terms of contracting and um like book rates nobody is better than rocket ship for for the creator um and he's tom is an extremely connected individual um and he is very knowledgeable in the industry and if he doesn't know the answer to your question he'll find it so um it's been it's been great working with him i've been very happy and i've been happy with rocket ship especially with like the products and the prints because if if i'm not happy then he's gonna take it back to the drawing board like he has me approve everything. Um, if there's a problem, I could say, hey, there's a squish ball with the ears were sewed on backwards. Is this a problem? Like if all of them turn out this? No, 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 no. It's just that one and blah, blah, blah. you know, and they, he runs rocket ship, but he will get down to the level of just like, this one product is messed up. It should go to the distributing center to fix it. But he'll like, no, I'll take care of it. So I think he takes on a little bit more than he should, than he, can choose sometimes and I kind of worry about his wellness in that regard <laughs> but um I've been very fortunate working with him uh, and you mentioned earlier you have your own store set up as well so was that something that was very difficult for you to set up and what's uh the reception been like it was actually really easy um I have I use a fulfillment center of Printful and they're print on demand and I felt like they had the best quality um, in terms of the product and for the most part my what I sell are prints and stickers um, I have a couple t-shirts and I think it in terms of of setting it up I have it run through my website which is through WordPress which is also extremely simple um, for I mean I say this is simple this is all somebody who has a degree in computer science so <laughs> i'm used to this stuff but i think that wordpress is probably is like the leading website building software and they are made to be simple for people to set up and to use because they want more people using their product so if a creator comic creator isn't very tech savvy when it comes to website designs wordpress is an ex excellent option to take so what would you tell a creator that's thinking of getting st uh, started, you know, has ideas, is starting to work on a comic and has this looming sense of, man, it's going to be tough to make money. Um, I mean, you mentioned now it's easier than ever to find opportunities to make money, but what advice would you give them? Well, firstly, I think just about every original creator had another job when they started. Um, I switched my career to this but i was fortunate to have a situation where i could do that that's unusual um i'm also married and had another source of income so not a lot of original creators are in that situation um so if you want to become a comic creator but you cannot afford to leave your career or your current job situation 
that's not unusual. That's actually the norm. So don't let that discourage you, really. Um, and um, getting started, it's not going to just, I mean, I suppose it could be a windfall, but chances are it's going to be a trickle effect. But once it starts going, it could very easily snowball into in a very good way. In terms of, you know, future monetization opportunities, there are different people that are trying different uh, things, you know, crypto keeps coming up and that can be mm -hmm. very, very polarizing yes. uh, among both creators and uh, uh, readers. But how do you think about what might change in the future when it comes to creators being able to make more money? Well, in things like crypto, NFTs is something that's a really hot topic right now. It's so hot right now. Um, it's, you know, I know there's a lot of pushback from the creative community on things like NFTs. And that's one of those things where I don't need to get into NFTs. I'm not particularly interested. I am, as again, someone with a degree in computer science, I find NFTs very interesting and fascinating. I hope it pushes towards promoting renewable energy. Um, I do think it's good that there's a pushback because we need to get it right. Um, but I am also of the mentality, I'm not an early adopter. So um, I would rather the water settle from the initial splash before I take a dip. Um, so I think it's, I mean, I can't tell the future when it comes to things like this, especially with technology. Hmm. But I do know that in my situation, um, if I was to self-publish, for instance, my next project, it I would be capable of setting up FastPass as a coin subscription. I could do that. So I could make money from that much easier than what I could have six years ago. Hmm. And also since it's an established program for FastPass, people are more willing to pay for it in another platform because people are used to it. They know, they understand it. It's not so new and novel. So um, it's, I think it, it is shaky waters for a lot of things, but I think there's a lot of tried and true um, methods to make money in the industry at this time. Do you think um, this movement, I mean, Substack has gotten uh, a few comic creators mm -hmm. to come on their platform. You talked about this idea where, I mean, a lot of people know who you are. Mm -hmm. They know what Let's Play is. You can uh, be a, uh, you know, go directly to the reader in the future. Do you think that's something that we'll see more of? Or, you know, obviously platforms like Tapas and Webtoons are really big. Um, I mean, they're not going anywhere, uh, going away uh, anytime soon. But how do you kind of think about that and see where the trend goes in the future? I... I've been courted by other platforms for my next project. Um, that's stuff that's being discussed. I will say that personally, self-publishing is very attractive to me because um, I control censoring, I control um, promotion, I control advertising, marketing, merchandise. Um, and uh, so, I think that something like Substack is interesting. Um, it's uh, something that I personally would consider for future projects. Um, but also I think that having a lot of experience in programming, I'm almost tempted just to create my own platform, really. And maybe have friends come join me and be like, hey, let's have a party over here. 
fair play to you and yeah. props to you for being able to do that uh that's a perfect segue though um what do you have uh what's next in store for you um so there's going to be one more season of let's play. so season three of let's play is going to wrap up and then there's going to be a fourth season and then um after that, there is a potential of a straight-to-print project um, called Charlatan, which is a supernatural thriller, and then um, that I'm writing, and then also a <laughs> not safe for work work project called Dragon King Oath, which is a romance comedy as well. Oh, it's not a comedy; it's a it's a romance drama. So, um, and that's set on a fantasy world which I love fantasy and I would love to write more fantasy and illustrate fantasy. And now that I have a readership, I feel like I can do that. <laughs> um, and uh, after that, who knows? Who knows what's gonna happen? So in terms of just advice for someone getting started, I know you gave some tidbits earlier, but what advice would you have to someone that's just starting out as a comic creator? Um, first and foremost would be, bigger, be your biggest fan. I've said that a lot. Um, a lot of web, a lot of creators that come up to me at like cons and stuff, they have their portfolio and they want me to check out their stuff and give me my opinion, but it's so often they're like, well, I kind of worked on this project and I guess it's kind of okay. And I just thought you might like look at it or whatever. I'm like, you're not selling this to me. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> like get me excited to read it, you know? And I know that could be really hard for some of us creative introverted types, but it, if you're starting off, you got to learn how to sell yourself and sell your project. And uh, um, some other uh, advice would be uh, get a lawyer. <laughs> like <laughs> um, these platforms, when they were started off, you know, contracts were not as scary as they are now. And it's you're not clicking agree to a privacy statement on a website anymore. Get a lawyer before you sign anything. Um, it's very important. Most lawyers will do consultation, their first consultation for free. So, um, and then uh, other advice would be, um, you know, uh, learn to take care of yourself. Like you can easily get caught up in this and think that you're a machine and you can just keep working and push 60, 80 hours a week and just think it's worth it to suffer for your art and, could tell you somebody who's been doing that for a number of years it does catch up to you so you can't do that you got to take care of yourself so if you're not happy your fans aren't going to be happy your comics not going to be happy you're going to suffer everybody's going to suffer so yeah. are you ready to close things out with our rapid fire round sure so first question which fictional character best describes your personality uh that would be matsumoto from bleach i think kind of a you know serious but joker sarcastic type I guess um yeah I'm kind of a I'm kind of a a hoot but also yeah. kind of broody at the same time <laughs> what three webtoons or comics would you take with you uh on a desert island uh probably sub-zero um uh uh, blue chair and probably Sarah Scribbles actually. 
If you could pick any uh, creator to have dinner with, it can be webtoons or comics in general, uh, who would it be? Uh, that would be Rachel Smythe, who's creator of Lore Olympus. I've actually met her and she's great and we get along really well, or at least I thought we did. And <laughs> um, she's really easy to talk to. And I feel like her and I could really connect and commiserate and all that kind of stuff. So absolutely, Rachel. And what's your favorite scene from any webtoon that just like pops into your mind? Um, there was a, there is a comic webtoon called Lessa, and it is about a guy who, um, basically is like a vampire hunter. I mean, they're not vampires, but they're like vampires. And, uh, a lot of it happens at night, like a lot of the fighting and events and stuff. And I was reading this in bed because I'm a perpetual insomniac. And, um, as I was reading it on my iPad, I was used to all the dark, the backgrounds being dark. And then as I'm scrolling up, there's a point after this really bad, like hard battle that he fought and the sun was rising out of this panel and he like covered his face with his hand and because the sun was so bright. And then I realized I was doing the same thing because it was getting brighter because the iPad was, everything was in the dark. And I just remember going, that's a really cool effect because I am relating to the character in this moment. We're both being blinded by this bright sun. And I just thought that was like, that just opened my whole mind to webtoons and the platform and digital output of a comic. That's so cool. And then finally, if you could have dinner with a fictional character, who would it be? Uh, man. I read the questions that you sent and I just didn't. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, I'm sure I'll come up with something by that point. Yeah. Any fi fictional character? Yeah. Yeah, it can be any fictional character. Sherlock Holmes. Ah, that's a good one. Or Watson. Probably okay. Watson. Probably Watson. I think I'd probably, because Sherlock, I think I'd be like, man, what a prick. But like Watson would be like fun, wholesome, warm, interesting. And he could still talk about all the interesting cases they have but also take consideration of my experience in the process too. Well, well done. He probably has some dirt on Sherlock too that he'd be- He probably does. And it's like bursting at the seams to share it <laughs> and commiserate with somebody. Well, Leanne, thank you so much. Uh, listener, please check out Let's Play. And uh, yes, please check out Leanne uh, on Instagram um, and Twitter. Uh, and there's link trees there as well. So you can check out her, her site kickstarters and all sorts of other fun goodies but leanne thanks so much for taking the time today yeah my pleasure thank you for having me thank you for joining us today if you have any feedback or want to be featured as our next guest please write to us at pixels and panels pod at gmail.com if you enjoyed the show don't forget to subscribe like or give us a five-star rating see you all next week